Welcome to Run 12-1 Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Justin Gowen. Well, we're here with another episode from the Book of Acts. Hey, this is Pastor Justin Goins. Welcome to Run 12-1 Podcast, um, where really uh, my aim is to is to edify and to better equip and to better engage us Christians in just normal daily activities, meaning equip, engage, and allow us to to be able to function better as Christians as we're doing a normal daily task, whether it be working out, whether it be running, whether it be mowing the yard, whether it be washing the dishes. This is my hope to give you a short podcast that you can do that you can listen to during just a normal period of your day. Again, as a supplement, not as the meat and potatoes of your spiritual diet, but as a supplement in order to to better equip you to function as a Christian uh, throughout the race that God has placed you in that we learn about in Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two. Hence the name Run 12-1. We're back in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 7. We left off in Acts chapter 6 with uh, Stephen. We left with the seven chosen deacons, verses 1 through verse 7. And then we picked up and looked at the character of Stephen on last episode, season 2, I believe episode number 12. Uh, Stephen's or your internal and external example. Are you an example internal? meaning within the church, but are you an example external? Um, are you using your gifts internally, but are you also being the the voice of the gospel to the world around you, but also visually living it out? So we see, we close chapter, rather we, but Luke closes this chapter, verses 13 uh, uh, and 14 and 15, by stating after Stephen went around, it was full of the Holy Ghost. He was preaching Jesus Christ. He was preaching the truth and 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 debating with the religious leaders, and they were just stunned by his knowledge. They, of course, yet again get upset, get angry. And in verse 13, it says, And they set up false witnesses, which said, This man ceaseth not to speak blasphemies words or blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. And so he's sitting there, not mean looking, not begrudging. Stephen is sitting there with basically like an innocent look on his face because he was. He spoke the truth. Now, these false witnesses thought they were trying to give something false about what he about who he was. And finally, he, they give a, we don't know exactly what Stephen actually preached and taught in those verses in chapter 6, uh, 8 through 10. We, 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 we don't know. But if he did say that Jesus and Nazareth destroy this place, talking about the temple, and that there'll be new customs, well, that is that would be in proper biblical line of even what Jesus taught. His disciples whitewashed tombs. Uh, when the disciples were looking at all on basically the last days of Jesus before 
uh, the the uh, upper room. We can read about how Jesus' disciples topped in Paul's and took and pondered in all these beautiful sites and buildings. And Jesus explained how that not one stone of these will be left, that it would crumble, that it would fall, and that God would build a new kingdom, and that this 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 temple, these things were not going to continually to be here. And in fact, in the age to come, in the after the seven-year tribulation period, um, and after the battle of Armageddon, there will be a world destroying with a new heaven and a new earth being created. God's word states this uh, in the book of Revelation through John. And so if, and I would probably say that at one point, Stephen did talk about this, which was not blasphemous, what these people tried to say. And the reason why they say it was blasphemous, because they did not believe in Jesus of Nazareth. They didn't believe in him. And hence, the reason why we read verse 7 all the way, chapter 7, verses 1, all the way to verse 49, or rather verse 50. We start off chapter 7, with then said the high priest, are they saying so? Meaning, did you preach this? Did you talk about this Jesus in Nazareth and how he explained that Jesus was going to destroy this te- this place and change the customs that Moses gave us, which, by the way, Moses didn't give it to them. He was the human author of it, so to speak, but God gave it to Moses, and they were overlooking that. They worshiped man. And so what did Stephen do? He went to the men that these people worship. Really, in verses 1, or rather verse 2, all the way till verse 7, or really verse 8, we see him bring up their father, Abraham. He he puts Abraham's call by God and the covenant that God gave to Abraham before their face. Then he shifts and he goes to Joseph in verse 9, all the way to verse 34. And he brings up Joseph and how God used Joseph mightily, but how his brothers and how, how, how betrayed him. And then he moves on in verse 35, all the way down to verse 45. And he talks about Moses and how God called Moses and Moses's failure of killing the Egyptians that were that that were um, hurting the Hebrew. And he put that in his message that that was not right. And then, but then he explains the stiff-neckedness of the people towards Moses and Aaron, towards God, and how they created the golden image and how they, after God relieved them and moved them out, exited them out out of Egypt, how they constantly went against Moses. And Aaron and 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 griped and complained and wanted to kill them even at times. He brings us up, and then he finally shifts into David in verse forty-six. Then he shifts over to actually Solomon as well in verse forty-seven. He explains how David would then. Uh, be called by God and uh, given the Davidic covenant, which then David wants to build a, ta- a tabernacle or temple for God. And God said, no, it's going to be your son. And so we see that shift in verse 47. And then we see 48, 49, and 50. What God was saying, how be it the most high dwelleth not in temples made with hands. This is God's response back to David. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What house will you be- build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Hath not my hand made all these things? And so he brings up some of their patriarchs to whom that they, besides Moses as well, that they um, worshiped. But he did so and then order to flip the light switch. Basically, the title of this is When Will You Wake Up and See What God is Doing? When Will You Wake Up and See What God is Doing? Why did Stephen preach this message? In essence, this is Stephen's last words. 
and he preached. He preached the glory of Jesus. He preached Jesus. He preached the eternal, faithful, covenant-making God all the way from Abraham, all the way up to Jesus, even until the present moment that they were standing. He preached a very overspanned uh, kind of summary of God's call of the chosen people of Israel all the way up to the very moment in which they stood by, by jumping into Abraham, Joseph, Moses, and then David, and then up to the present time, how they rejected Jesus Christ, and then the person whom they are now at. And what did he end his sermon with? Let's look at it. Verse 51 and 52 and 53. He says, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart. What does is, what is stiff-necked mean? This is KJV language. You're proud. And when you, when you think about somebody who has stiff neck, it's somebody that kind of has their head up in the air. They have this proud stance, like we're better than you, kind of like staunch looking like, hmm, hmm. I know you can't, hopefully I just painted that visual, even by the word, hmm, like with your shoulders kind of down, your chin up in the air, long neck, stiff neck, hmm, like I'm better than you are, kind of look. That's what that keeps, or that, that, that's what he was painting. You're stiff neck, you're prideful and uncircumcised in heart. You may be outwardly circumcised. You're following the law, but you're internally or not. And ears, do you always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers? So do ye. His message was, when are you going to wake up? When are you going to see? When are you going to stop and just focus on what God? You've gotten so caught up in the performance and so caught up in the religiosity and some of them even caught up into not even that. They, they weren't even trying to live out the law, although they were. They were doing it for their own selfish greed and intent. When are you guys going to stop? Verse 52, which, and then he says this, which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? Persecuted Abraham, persecuted Isaac and Jacob and Moses, Joseph, David, the major, the minor prophets, all that God had always sent to correct and to point to Christ. A, a bunch, a bulk, a majority of Israel constantly rejected. And that's what he was saying. Which the prophets have not your fathers persecuted, and they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one, talking about you, some of it, some you have even slain that, that prophesied about the just one, about Jesus coming. And he switches, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers, meaning, and when he came, talking about Jesus, the just one, who we just mentioned. And when he came, when the just one came, you even betrayed and slain him and rejected him, who hath received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it, talking about them, not put it in effect. You've received it, but you've not done anything with it, actually. You try to live it out, but you've not done anything with it. You've missed it. You've missed the whole entire point. And so in essence, the reason why I have a title is, when will you wake up? When will you see what God is doing? My, my hope and my prayer is that you and I don't miss what God has in store for you today, today, as you're listening to this podcast. I hope you just pause and just stop. Even just take a break right now and just hit pause on the podcast. I only have a few moments left, a few minutes left to talk about the closing of what happens to Stephen. Just, just pause it right here and then pick up and just reflect on God. What may I be missing? Where, where may I be sleeping and not seeing? Where am I, quote unquote, betraying the prophets as the forefathers did, so to speak? Would you be vulnerable right now and just pause and just reflect on that? 
I hope that you have paused, and I gave a little bit of a break there. I hope that you did pause it. If not, pause it now and reflect on that. But moving on, the last part, verse 54, verse 60. When they heard these things, they were cut. These, when they, this is not Stephen, this is the religious leaders, the false witnesses, the people that were persecuting Stephen are about to persecute him, them. It says that, that they were cut to their heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. They were just, it's kind of like this dog that's standing down, growling and they're gnashing their teeth. And they're just filled with indignation, filled with hate, filled with, with, with just this nasty evilness inside their hearts because, well, they knew it was true. They were cut deep with the truth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and get this, and saw the glory of God. Didn't see God, but saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. So he sees, what what did he see? He He sees God. He sees Jesus. He sees the glory of God and Jesus is standing on the right hand of the glory of God. And said, behold, I see the heavens. And he said, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stomped, or stopped their hearts and ran up upon him with one accord and cast out of the city and stoned him. They took him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And so before they went to go throw the rock, Saul's standing there, the man that we're going to pick up in verse 8 and see his conversion, in, or, or in chapter 8 and see his conversion, maculate. I mean, this crazy, awesome conversion. Saul was there amongst the religious elite, and they were laying down their clothes before they went in to brutally stone and beat Stephen to death. They laid their clothes down at Saul's feet. And they stoned Stephen in verse 59, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So in the, as he's being stoned, Lord God, uh, Jesus, receive my, and, the, and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, get what Stephen says. Lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Don't let them, don't let them off. God, just. Don't hold this against them. The reason why I wanted to read this section is because Stephen is a a backshadowing, if you may. We have what we call typology or foreshadowing in the Old Testament, events in people's lives that were real, that actually happened. But when you read them and you get to the Gospels and you read about Jesus Christ, you start learning, man, there are some things in the Old Testament, events in people's lives that portrayed events that Jesus would do or Jesus's uh, character, called a foreshadowing or or uh, typology. Well, there's also I don't know if this is the correct word, but backshadowing, where post Jesus's life, death, resurrection, and ascension, there are people's lives that 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 imitate Jesus, and one being Stephen. Even up to his death, what did Jesus say on the cross? Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But what is Stephen in essence saying? The same thing, Lord. Don't hold this against them. Forgive them. Don't, don't, don't lay this against their charge. He's looking up at the face of an angel as Jesus went like a lamb to the slaughter, this innocent looking man being beaten, but yet with an innocence about him walking to his grave, so to speak. And Stephen, as we read with the face of an angel, this innocence going before them, proclaiming truth as Jesus proclaimed truth, going to the grave and still saying, God, don't hold this against them. They are 
are not seeing straight. They haven't waken up. They haven't seen the goodness of God. God, don't hold this against them. And God, wake them up. Wake them up. What? What a man. I don't know if I'm going to be honest, if I would be able to say that right now in my life, if I was facing Stephen's life, I hope to obtain that. I do. I say that. Lord, I do mean that. But I don't know if I'm I'm there. It's not being done to me, but I don't know in the moment if I could say that I would be able to handle it within that regards. Would you? Would you be real and ask that? Could you respond that way, being stoned, innocent for preaching Christ and be able to say, God, I forgive them. And God, don't hold this against them. Don't lay this against them, but just wake them up. Wake them up to what's happening. And one person would be woken up. One person that was standing there would be woken up very shortly after who saw. Saul would be so deeply convicted, so deeply called by God on his road to Damascus, radically changed by the mercy and grace of, of, of our God through Jesus Christ by, by Saul slash Paul, believing and receiving Jesus as his Lord and Savior, radically changing, waking him up and becoming the author of over 75 to 80% of our New Testament and starting tons of churches. God heard Stephen's cry. Woke up Saul, which would radically, radically change the future of the church. You never know. You never know. Are you woken? Are you woke up? Have you woke up? Are your eyes still heavy when it comes to the fact of who, what God is doing? Do you see what God is doing? We are ever pacing in a quick, quick pace towards the coming again of Jesus Christ? Are you, are you missing what God is doing? What does God do before Jesus comes? What is God doing in Scripture? Well, what do we read? We read about souls coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Are you missing out in that? Let me ask you, when was the last time you saw a soul saved to whom you witnessed to? Don't, please hear me, don't use this as an excuse that, well, you know, some water, some, you know, some plant and others get the increase. That's true. But you should still have moments in your life where you see the increase or you see the increase. When was the last time you saw the increase where you were the last person in line because you shared the gospel? Would you, would you get up? Would you wake up? Would you be able to see all that God is doing before his son comes, which, which I believe to be soon? Would you wake up? I hope that Stephen encourages you as much as he's encouraged me reading over this yet again today about Stephen's sermon. Would you be encouraged today? Wake up. See what God is doing. God bless. This is Pastor Justin, the Run 12-1 podcast. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Run 12-1 Podcast. Run your marathon race that God has placed you in. God bless. Mm-hmm.